parenting is the hardest job that you don't apply for. For many parents, the COVID-19 pandemic has made raising children that much harder. The virus has disrupted the lives of families everywhere, particularly here in Chatham County, where the schools have been closed or operating at reduced capacity since March the 13th of 2020. Our latest difference maker is Michael O'Neill, founder and leader of Parent University, which for 22 years now has been empowering parents to play a larger role in the education of their children. SavannahNow.com. This is Difference Makers, a podcast featuring interviews with Savannah's community leaders about what they do, how they do it, and why. I'm Adam Van Bremer, and joining me for this episode is Parent University's Michael O'Neill. Michael has seen firsthand the challenges parents face in assisting in their children's learning, and he's been instrumental in helping moms and dads over the last 12 months as many children have shifted to a virtual learning environment. O'Neill shares insights on the COVID-19 fallout and much more in today's Difference Makers interview. Joined on today's Difference Makers by someone who I've wanted to have in here for, for quite a while, and that's Michael O'Neill, who is with Parent University, and, and we're going to get into particulars of Parent University here in a little bit, but I thought it was particularly appropriate to have Michael in now because of what we are facing in terms of education and our children, and I, I am a parent of public school children, so I can I certainly... Uh, have seen and experienced some of the hardships. I, I, I don't want to overstate my hardships because really compared to a lot of others, I haven't had it that hard. But uh, it has been a challenge with virtual learning and now with hybrid learning. So we're still doing virtual learning a couple days a week. And I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to have Michael in to talk about his program, to talk about what's happened the last 12 months, to talk about lessons learned and, and everything in between. But as we usually do with Difference Maker, we're going to get to know Michael a little bit better first. And to do that, so Michael, I know you've been in Savannah a long time. Are you a are you a Savannah? Are you a lifelong Savannian? No, no, no. Uh, I think maybe four or five more decades I'll be able to claim Savannah. <laughs> but uh, I was born and raised uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm the, the oldest of uh, or, or the oldest male of several siblings. Um, I went to, went through school and graduated uh, high school in Philadelphia, and came to Savannah uh, to attend Savannah State College. Okay, okay. So growing up in Philadelphia, what uh, what's it like? You're playing sports, you're doing music. You're, oh what's... yeah, all, all the above. You know, uh, uh, one of my fondest memories of Philadelphia. I came up at the, the, the uh, time I came up. Uh, groups like the Jackson Five, right, right, were, right, uh, an important thing. And so, all the all the uh, families on my block right. that had stair steps like like my mother and father had, we all were in bands. So we were right. all going to be like the Jackson right. Five. Yeah. So uh, I've got a lot of fond memories of Philadelphia. Philadelphia was very intense. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, you, you can imagine, right. and um, and because I was the oldest brother. Um, I think that molded me. I think uh, I became a fixer mm-hmm. during those years. I think I became a person that looked out for others because, you know, very frankly, when I went out, I had to, uh, my, my charge from my parents was to don't do anything 
to get yourself in trouble, right. and don't let your brothers and yeah, sisters look out for get that. in any trouble as well. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, as as I reflect back on my life, I think that molded me and mm-hmm. uh, kind of made me uh, somewhat who I am today. Right. Right. What did what your parents do for a living? Well, interesting. My uh, my mother was a homemaker. Mm-hmm. I had jobs from time to time, but as I say, with seven kids in the house, yeah, she that's a homemaker. That's a, that's a two full time uh, jobs. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and my father was a machinist at the Westinghouse Corporation, mm-hmm. and um, I that that affected me. I, I, I uh, you know I later I saw myself someone as a scientist when yeah. I was a kid. When mm-hmm. I was a kid, we were going to the moon. Right, and so being an astronaut and a scientist was a big deal, and I really gravitated to that. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to spend too much time on that because uh, <laughs> th- that was a, that was a source of uh, of a lot of um, ribbing, ribbing, right? Doing I was a kid, uh, being called the professor and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I, I really was, I really was. I, I loved studying. Uh, I loved uh, technology, such as it was mm-hmm. back then, and um, Interestingly enough, uh, when I attended Savannah State and, and um, uh, in, in electrical engineering technology, mm-hmm. I, I, I was really pursuing a passion. Mm-hmm. It really was a passion, and I ended up working at International Paper, mm-hmm. which was the first union camp. Which right. I'm still allowed right. to say that, but yeah. International Paper. Uh, I ended up working there, you know, from the time I literally walked in there as a boy and walked out as a uh, mature man. As a mature man, that's right. That's right. So that passion as a as a child. What were some of the influences? Was it was it teachers that stoked that? Was it your dad? Was there? I think you know. Uh, we talk about reading to our children today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say that my dad or mom read to us per se, mm-hmm. but I can't remember many times walking by that man in the corner. Smoking that cigarette with that newspaper in front of him. Mm-hmm. God bless him. You know, I, I, I you know, I really, uh, I identified being able to read with being mm-hmm. a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't understand it at the time, right? But I know that I, I wanted to emulate my father and his clear uh, passion. I mean, that's how he relaxed. That was mm-hmm. that. Those was, those were some of his. Uh, to me, that was some of his best, most relaxed moments. Mm-hmm. Is when he was. Sitting behind that newspaper, mm-hmm. you know, flipping those pages and 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 reading, mm-hmm. um, and so it's interesting when we talk to our kids, when we talk to our parents these days about yeah reading, what that might look like. Because I know I wanted to be able to read like my dad, and then sometime he would want to talk about a story. Right. So that affected me. But the other part was once again, um, I grew up doing the space race, mm-hmm. and um, those I mean those were formative years. We watched all the. the Rockets launch and uh, the the the, uh, the moon landing and all those kind of things, and as a result, I became very much uh, a scientist in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents actually bought me. Um, gee, I haven't talked about this in a long time. My parents actually bought me a microscope mm-hmm. and a telescope, mm-hmm. which a telescope. In a place like Philadelphia, it's a little bit useless. Yeah, a little light pollution. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point is that you have. <laughs> that's right. You know, you have a telescope, and and uh, uh, it, it exactly you know wasn't exactly something that was classified as an observatory right. type telescope, but it 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 allowed me to. 
think about mm -hmm. magnifying things at a distance. Mm -hmm. And the microscope allowed me to think about looking at things more closely. Mm -hmm. And the general thought around learning, I really gravitated towards. And then some teachers, when I was in school, um, thought I showed some kind of promise. Right. And so back in those days, you know, you, uh, universities in Philadelphia would work with school systems to do uh, programs. Mm -hmm. And I got put in some uh, special kids sure. programs, yeah. um, um, which allowed me to even become more um, science-based. Right. And so, um, as, as once again, I, when I when I got old enough to um, to leave Philadelphia, with actually I was I left Philadelphia and went to the University of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And of course, I had had no idea how I was going to pay for it. And I had an uncle who was teaching at Savannah State. Mm -hmm. And um, at, at, uh, at, at, uh, my grandmother got sick, and I got together with my uncle because we went down to visit. Came down to visit mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother. And my uncle told me he could he could get me in at Savannah State. Mm -hmm. I said, sure, right. why not? I came to Savannah State and um, you know pursued electronics and, and what we call it, you know, electrical technology at that right. time. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, that kind of fed into my fix it. Mm -hmm. Uh, personality. I didn't realize all this. If you look back right, now, right, yeah. it all makes story, sense now. Right? It all makes sense now. But I realized I like to fix things, right. and uh, I always like to look at how systems were working, right. how people were faring. Right. Uh, it was it had been built into me mm -hmm. um, as a, as a passion, actually. Mm -hmm. And so um, I took a, a, a short time after college. I took a little bit of work in the medical field. And I realized how intense that was. Fixing humans is more is a whole lot more difficult than fixing a machine. Yeah, yeah. Stakes <laughs> and, are a little higher. Yeah. Yes, yes. And and machines don't often have a, a an angry relative That's associated yeah. with them if you don't fix it right. <laughs> and um, so uh, you know, I I chose to go into industry as as uh, uh, a person that could fix things. And so right. I spent the last. 40 years or 40 years actually from 20 it was, I was only 20 uh, working in, uh, in in the paper mill as I said as as a maintenance person right um, however there came a point where that wasn't fulfilling enough mm -hmm. for me in and of itself mm -hmm. uh, it was the fact that you were fixing a machine and the fact that all at the end of the day it was just just a machine right and and um the, the satisfaction I got from that be, began to wane, mm -hmm. and I guess I was maturing, uh, arguably. <laughs> as much as we all, any yes, of us do. Yeah, yes. there, there are people that will have opinions about that, but I'll <laughs> say as I was maturing. And uh, I realized that I, I needed to actually begin to work with people. Mm -hmm. Again, and my passion was really to... Uh, Work with people and, and make make all of our lives better, yeah. uh, as opposed to making money at fixing things. And so, actually, I, I uh, my first foray out into working with people was with Junior Achievement. 
Okay. Yeah. And I, and I work with Junior Achievement doing tours. I would take kids on tours to the Savannah Morning News when you mm-hmm. guys were downtown. That's and, right. Yeah. And uh, the international paper in the various places. But then I would notice that um, the children would get really geeked up about the correlation we were making between learning and how you will apply it later. And I, uh, so I'd leave and we'd all be really excited. But then I'd come back to them and they wouldn't be as excited. And they'd actually seem a little bit despondent. Right. I said, what happened? And they said, you know, my parents just don't seem to get it. Mm-hmm. They just don't say, what are you, you know, what, what, what are you talking about? And, I, and so um, after a few experiences like that, I decided that I would take about a month off mm-hmm. <laughs> to learn to work with parents. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that, that uh, uh, Floyd Adams was the mayor and, had, and I had found my way onto his Human Relations Commission. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were having some trouble in, with, the, with, with how parents and schools were engaging. Mm-hmm. For, this was around 1998. Right, 1999, and so I used my background in training as an electrical professional mm-hmm. um, to uh, talk with parents about how can we learn to be better positioned to help ourselves understand what our children and school system needed mm-hmm. and you know um, as I say I thought I was going to do that for about a month or two right. uh, and, and and here it is uh, yeah. 22 years later right your research uh, project really took research off project has been is pretty lofty at this point right uh, or voluminous at least if right. not lofty uh, right. Right. Uh, has logged a lot of hours right um, but I still think it's based basically on on my my aspiration to to help people to fix things right. uh, uh, and, and and to the, what was what was honed into me very early to look out for the system right 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 we're gonna go deep on parent university but i don't i want to move off this until i ask you i mean you're fascinated by the space race yes any any favorite astronauts any favorite Sciences, scientists on the space side that you really were always like thought was <laughs> any the best most thing. any any science any any uh um um I was uh, Ron McNair was a mm-hmm. was a uh, an astronaut that I followed for many reasons mm-hmm. uh, um you know but he perished on in the uh, right. in the Challenger disaster right uh, he and I were members of the same faith and members of the same race. Mm-hmm. So because of that, you know, I follow. Oh, there's black astronauts, right? And of course, there were others, right? And um, but scientists in general, one of my favorite scientists, I got to, I got to give him his props, right. was a guy named Carl Sagan. Oh yeah, because Carl Sagan, tremendous uh, writer. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and he could talk about science in a way that sounded compelling and entertaining. Mm-hmm. And in a way that didn't seem like some of the old mad scientists with the flask and the beakers and, and the white jackets. It right. just didn't seem like, man, I'm not really wanting to be one of those guys. Right. But I love science. But Carl Sagan could talk about it in a way that sounded compelling and in a way that I thought would raise um, the consciousness about what learning and, and science yeah. could be in our lives. Yeah. yeah, my son, he's 14, seventh grade. Loves aeronautics, loves 
space. We go to Florida. He wants to go to this Kennedy Space Center. Yeah. I was just looking at Disney Plus the other day, and Hidden Figures is on there now available. Oh, yes. So I got to cue that up for him to oh, yes. to learn a little bit more about the science side and less about the uh, yes. you know the space cowboy side. So. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. That, that's that, and and that's the other part of it. Um, scientists weren't always seen as seen as heroes, mm-hmm. when in fact. Um, even even today, uh, you know, we're, we're as we emerge from this period that we are, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of science heroes, a lot of unsung science heroes. That if, if they uh, hadn't put in the hours uh, and the time and the dedication, we'd just think it lingered. Believe it or not, if you don't think it's lingered long already, yeah, it could linger a much longer yeah. time. Yeah, um, the vaccine was supposed to take two years to develop, right? Absolutely. You know? that, that's that's what it said. Half here, the time here we are. Half, Half the, the time. time. Right. Uh, so, so it's, I, I see scientists as heroes, and yeah. I see, um, I, I, I see this this partitioning mm-hmm. of of crafts uh, of of disciplines mm-hmm. as diminishing. As we're all, right. um, you know, I'm a biologist. I'm a teacher. I'm a uh, an engineer. I'm. A, I see that that's melting away. Right. And then it's really we're all starting to realize it's all systems, systems, and we're fixers, all in systems. find solutions, find find solutions, work as a team. You, you know, um, it's you don't hear anybody saying uh, you don't hear someone saying is wait a minute you're a biologist what are you why, why are you talking about some kind of sociology stuff right. and you're a biologist you know but a while back it was like that yeah you know it's very siloed your lane. Yeah, yeah very stay silent. in your lane talk about what you think you know. But now we're realizing we can't know everything in our discipline right. without knowing things in general, and I, I think that's a that's a uh, one of the evolutions in consciousness that we're all experiencing. Right. We interrupt this Difference Makers interview with Michael O'Neill to tell you about the Difference Makers presenting sponsor and a real difference maker in our community, the Savannah Economic Development Authority. You may have seen recently where a highly respected trade journal named the Savannah area the number one locale for economic development in the country among like-sized markets. That standing is a credit to the folks at CETA who have and are pushing to make Savannah a great place to work and live. CETA is committed to creating, growing, and attracting jobs and investment in the Savannah region. Learn more about the Savannah Economic Development Authority and what they do in the Savannah community by visiting CETA.org. That's S-E-D-A dot org. Now back to the discussion with Michael O'Neill. Tell us about Parent University for those that, that really don't know, don't have much of a concept about it. I'm, I'm sure you make the 30 second elevator speech all the time. If, if go ahead, Parent, Parent University, um, depending on rather we're, we were on an express elevator or, or a floor by floor elevator in the uh, in 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 a, in a high rise, um, Parent University is a space for learning, is is a space for adults to learn in a relaxed, uh, celebratory, cannot fail uh, atmosphere. That's what it is. Now, I can break that down into any number of configurations Mm -hmm. that we've used, but essentially, it's it's uh, adults, and many of the adults that I've worked with and talked to somehow separated their learning life mm-hmm. from their adult parenting life. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I mean, I'm this, you know, the scope of this discussion is not to say how that happened. 
But somehow you went to school and then you became an adult parent. Mm -hmm. And the two are somehow different or somehow, uh, um, well, they're they're different in a lot of ways, but somehow they're not connected. Mm -hmm. Well, well, we're in our professional lives, um, many of us, um, you know, there's constant training in what we do. I mean, I'm sitting in the studio now and there's equipment here that was not, that didn't exist right. just a few years back. We have to have constant training mm-hmm. on how this is done. We're always on our computers these days. Uh, they make whole YouTube channels about how to do this, how to do that. But parenting is something mm-hmm. that for some reason was separated from learning, from the learning process. I found that strange, um, but I can give you a quick story mm-hmm, about please. parent, uh, uh, how it relates to parent university. I, as an electrician, um, I was tasked with fixing things. And sometimes I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and as a result, it, sometimes the disaster, it was disastrous the outcome. And, um, and when I have to go talk to my supervisor ab- about the, this unwanted outcome, what the supervisor would tell me is that, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm not sure whether I'm going to get disciplined or, or what. My supervisor would tell me, O'Neill, we're going to send you to training mm-hmm. on this device so that you can become our expert at right. it. And I, I, I'm, I'm ready to jump out of my shoes with excitement because mm-hmm. I'm being offered a chance to make myself better mm-hmm. by the, the people that pay me. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for this to happen. And um, so I'm really embracing this continuous learning. As a parent, um, I can remember being called in about one of my children and a teacher saying, your child could be reading better. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some things you need to know about why your child's not reading better. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking that completely different mm-hmm. than I took my boss's uh, offering me right. to be trained. Right. I remember that felt like an attack. Yeah, that felt like you were like I'm you're failing. letting your you're letting your kid down. Um yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I remember and, and and I remember in general when someone said they were going to do something about parenting, that it felt like that that was a something punitive. Mm-hmm. Something, uh, something was wrong. Uh, it was maybe some, maybe not punishment, but certainly something was off track. And I was, and it, and it really, I really wondered why do we feel that way mm-hmm. as parents? How did, what was, what's the disconnect? Why wouldn't you continuously learn how to be a better parent, just like you continuously learn how to be a better doctor, uh, sure. pianist? Uh, 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 professional athlete, manager of a store, mm-hmm. car salesman, whatever, you're continuously learning how to be better at it. But something about parenting has this stigma attached to it associated with continuous learning. Mm-hmm. And what Parent University strives to do is remove that energy, that stigma, right. and instead create an atmosphere of uh, a celebratory atmosphere. Right. Where you are, uh, where it's a fad, where it's a uh, it's a culture, mm-hmm. 
that parents would take periodic learning about being better parents just like they do um, the necessity of, of feeding their kids, the necessity right. of, 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 of creating a home environment, of making themselves better, that parents would now uh, uh, feel comfortable coming into a learning environment about parenting. And to do that, Adam, we realized that we had to create a, we had to go about it in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And the, we found, uh, and uh, we haven't patented this, so I, and we want, like, it's it's very very sophisticated, very sophisticated. But the the uh, the truth is, what we had to do, we had to learn to listen. Mm -hmm. We had to learn to listen to parents, and find out what that environment looks like for, for them. them. Yeah. So many learning environments are created in a in a space mm -hmm. void of the uh, people you're trying to teach. Yeah. It's it's and, and, and this is not an indictment. This is just the way things have evolved. We learned that if this learning space is created by the parents, mm -hmm. well, then they can embrace it. And so this is why I described Parent University initially as spaces that parents can come and learn uh, where they feel safe and secure, uh, where they know they can't fail, and where they're going to be celebrated for their choice to learn more about being who they are. Yeah, because I, I can only imagine the, tr the challenges, because I'm going to take your training metaphor and say, you know, it, I got training for my job. You know, I, I came into this job with that background. Mm -hmm. So many parents, they don't teach you how to be a parent, and there's parents that come at it from all different angles. Some are, some have high higher education degree. Some mm -hmm. dropped out of high school, barely passed high school. Some came from solid homes. Some came from not so solid homes. Yes. And, and we all know nature and nurture, and yes. uh, you know a lot of the things that in, in terms of parenting you learn from your parents and your experiences. So when you're bringing all of these different people from all of these different backgrounds and all these different experiences together yes how do you how do you kind of you, you said it you said you know you kind of listen and you, and you let them set the tone but are there particular things that you picked up on that says that if you if you do it this way this makes a tremendous difference versus doing it that way well i mean it's it's it it, it could be and you know we've dealt with thousands of parents mm -hmm. and, and it could be complicated but you know, if you honor what a person shares with you, mm -hmm. if you honor it, it, it the, I have almost never seen that turn bad. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, always builds. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you if you train and become adept at speaking to people at their level. Mm -hmm. And honoring their level and speaking to them as a practitioner mm -hmm. they're not they're not coming to certify mm -hmm. they're not coming to qualify right they are they are parents they are the yeah. practitioner right already they're not gonna walk in or walk out they're not gonna walk out with uh, the okay to parent they walked in with the okay with, with the <laughs> with the charge the reality of parenting. Of parenting, okay yes. um, so 
when we it's 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 really on us to realize everyone's uh, input is valuable, and every and 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 that if we honor what they say, they will change the environment. Because sometimes we say it's us that has to make this work, but it's actually them that have to make this work. Mm-hmm. So when we give them a chance, when we give when we set up when we set up the environment to whereas what you make it is what it's going to be. People are just different. And I, you know, I did not consider myself a social scientist. I suppose I am. Mm-hmm. But 20 something years ago, I did not consider myself that. But what I have found is that people can create an environment completely different than anything else you've seen if you allow them to do it, if they're allowed to do it, as opposed to us saying, this is what has to happen. There is, in myself and, and others, there is an almost innate response, almost a knee-jerk response to being told mm-hmm. what is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness that we still possess that as, as human beings. But when you're asked what is, when you're asked to describe what is, that what is presented to you after that, you you absorb it differently. Mm-hmm. You you you. Uh, um, uh, and I hope this is not being too uh, no too mystical or whatever. No. But when 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 the crowd creates it, the crowd likes it. Right. To put it in simple terms, right. when the crowd is told what to like, mm-hmm. you're going to get some response. You're going to get some affirmative response, but more likely than not you're gonna get a passive response mm-hmm. and a response that is tenuous and seeks to find the the chinks in it, right. the problems. Right. What's not But working. what about this? Well, what yeah, about that? oh well, we didn't do that. But when it's when it, when the crowd feels though they're building it, mm-hmm. they'll even fix those things, those deficiencies, you know, maybe prior to other people finding out about it. Which is just how we are. As people, we've all took on projects in our lives mm-hmm. that other people says, are, are you still working on that? <laughs> See, it's your project. Mm-hmm. But if someone had told you to do it, the first chance that you could have walked away from it, you would have. Right. And, uh, and you've all, we've all done things because we were compelled to do it, but we were passive in the energy that we committed to it. And the first opportunity, we found a reason not to do it. Yeah. So that, that, that's some of the jargon behind why listening which is you know just just a word why listening and valuing um, what the participants um, say to you is so important to create an environment once again we've been doing this for 22 years we literally started with no money I, I mean none so the only thing we had was to leverage relationships mm-hmm. with to develop relationships and then to leverage those relationships with the participants. Mm-hmm. And as as a result, I've seen things with lots of funding come and go in that right. time. Right. And we're we're now bigger than we were when we started. So um, I think the social science experiment is still going on with uh, still a lot of merit. Right. In twenty two years, were there a couple of aha moments? Were there a couple of moments that kind of changed? How you did things because it just was like, oh, oh I yeah. Know, I don't know if I could say a couple. Probably, <laughs> probably a dozens, whole, right? Whole, dozens, yeah. Because, you know, you start with a model. Um, 
because you start with the model that you see. Mm-hmm. And did you build that yourself? Well, no, we saw other. Uh, it was it was it was a general t- learning module. You know, you you get you bring uh, you bring people in. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. You know, you you bring people in. You put some person of note in front of them to tell them what is, and we listen to that person. And but one of the things that that we did learn is that in some of our early sessions, um, we would have the classes. Mm-hmm. Then everyone would come back from the classes, and we'd have a speaker who, you know, we thought was speaker person of note mm-hmm. that everyone would love to come see this. And then after that session, that hour, we'd go back to classes, mm-hmm. and we just thought, man, this is what's bringing people out. Mm-hmm. Well, until we, till our parents told us, you know. We can do without the speaker. <laughs> what? Wait. Nobody likes a lecture. No. <laughs> we can do without the speaker. <laughs> just have the classes. Just have the choice. Um, and, uh, 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 we just want to choose what we do and do what we do, mm-hmm. and we don't want to. We really don't want that. And I, you know, me early in the day, you know, I'm trying to get, uh, I'm trying to name drop and bring right. some big names right, right. in there, and then and. Uh, uh, so, so that's you know, in my mind, that's what's bringing people out. Yeah. And as they began to become clear that no, we want to, we want this to be ours. Mm-hmm. We want to pick our classes every time and use all of our time learning. Mm-hmm. Now, see, here's what's different about that. You would have many people thought that the learning component people weren't really interested in. Mm-hmm. That they were coming because to make our um, our program successful and to, and to create an environment where parents could come out. You know, we offer things like morning snacks. Mm-hmm. We offer child care. Mm-hmm. You know, we offer lunch, mm-hmm. right? So some people would say, well, that's why they're, they're coming out for, for that kind of thing, okay? And we offer incentives. We might give, uh, in, in the early days, I should say, but we, there, we didn't offer many incentives. Uh, we didn't have any didn't have money any, any gift, right? And But some of our parents said, um, that they would go to local establishments, some of your local box store and whatnot, and get some stuff that they would give away, and we'll give away some of that stuff as as incentives. And it would be you know all kind of stuff that we would give away, you know, of arguable value sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was part of the fun that right. we created. Right. So many people would say that parents were coming for those elements. Mm-hmm. You know. And so when we bought in the, in, the, in, the, in the main speakers, we think, okay, well, that's another element. But what we found is that our parents, many, some of whom did not have a great school experience. Sure. They may have finished. Some may have not. Some may have multiple post-secondary certifications and degrees. Mm-hmm. We have the whole gamut. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they really enjoyed is the atmosphere we were creating. The learning atmosphere created, the, the an atmosphere that that honored them, an atmosphere that gave them uh, choice, mm-hmm. autonomy, decision making, empowerment. Oh my gosh, we didn't. We said it looked good on paper, and it sounded like these are great platitudes, right? These are great things to say. They sound progressive, but it's real. Mm-hmm. If you if you if you give people if you give people a sense of empowerment, a sense of uh, uh, 
of value in their self, mm-hmm. we all like that kind of thing. And and we and so one some of the moments were that the parents really love the learning. We really do once it's not attached to that stigma. Stigma, right. That we thought it was. And so now these days person comes to parent university no one's asking them oh what happened what was wrong in your house mm-hmm. what was broken in your house nobody asked them that anymore because now parent university is a thing mm-hmm. i mean uh people come there from all walks of life mm-hmm. and we have we have teachers from all walks of life and vendors from all walks of life and it's more of a community thing so so to that degree we've had success mm-hmm. to some degree in removing that stigma right. um, from the pursuit of learning right and you mentioned the community. It's in more than just this community now. Can you kind of talk about the expansion you've seen in recent years? Oh, my. You know, um, gee, you know, 12 months ago, things kind mm-hmm. of went crazy, right? And uh, 12 months ago, matter of fact, to this almost to this week or, or something like that, we had our last face-to-face. Right. Uh, parent university and we had our normal 350 people and you know we're rolling along our our normal thing and then all of a sudden we're uh, sequestered at home Mm -hmm. and um, we're thinking gee so how are we going to do this Um, just you know well what do we do now and we we sat in our our team said well you know people have conferences on video, uh, these virtual conferences. But we said, well, let's try it. And so, you know, we pivoted ourselves to becoming um, virtual. Mm. And um, I, I need to say that over the last 12 months, we have had as much or more participation mm. f- from our parents than in other pre- in previous years. And I want to also say that... Um, one of the differences is we're not just the parents aren't coming to us in a particular location, but we're in everybody's homes. Right. We're actually in each other's homes, which is a whole nother level of interaction and relationship. Right. So we're 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 going along with that and we're saying, man, we're we actually did, as I said, more of our parent university and early learning college events in the last twelve months than we had scheduled. Right. A significant amount. Right. And you're and doing it, them elsewhere too, well, right? You're it, doing yeah. Them. So what happened was, so here we are having more of these events, and now we're getting calls from other cities right. and asking us, um, can can they start a parent university? Well, of course, we can't stop them from starting a parent university. But they said, no, that's not what we want. We want the parent university that you do guys that. do. Right. Because we've tried these other things. Yeah. And we've we've come in on your things, and we see these we see these scores and scores of people, and we feel this excitement. We want that, and so we um we decided we would jump in. That we would our, our board of directors uh, um um we would jump in, and um we would to the degree possible mm-hmm. now foray into other communities, and mm-hmm. we've actually established parent universities. Um, in places like Pensacola, Florida, mm-hmm. we're actually we're actually establishing one as me as we speak in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're nurturing one in uh, uh, Flint, Michigan, uh, and many more 
who are kind of on in the queue. Right, that want to get Once in. again, we can't we can't move too fast so that our quality. I mean, you know, there's only so many of us, mm -hmm. so that the quality isn't doesn't yield the experience that we had here. But I mean, as far as in, uh, the couple that I've named, Pensacola. I mean, Pensacola is is I'm astounded at the receptivity uh, mm -hmm. that we've received and are receiving mm -hmm. in these other places. And it's so far, it's 99% of it's been virtual. Mm -hmm. So they haven't even had the chance to see um, what it's like um, um, when it's face-to-face. -face. Sure. And it's the big production that we've been able to put on right. in Savannah. Right. Again, you are listening to a conversation with Parent University's Michael O'Neill on the Difference Makers podcast. While he takes a short break, I have a call to action for you subscribe to savannahnow.com our website is the best place to keep up with community news sports and yes opinion makers and right now you can get a full year's access for just 39 dollars. i'm no mathematician but my smartphone calculator tells me that works out to about three dollars and 25 cents a month not about three dollars and 25 cents a month it is exactly three dollars and 25 cents a month that's a pretty good deal so go to savannahnow.com now or download our app and see our product for yourself. Then hit the subscribe button to get full access. Now, back to the Difference Makers interview. So you're, you're, you're managing that growth, but at the same time you're faced with probably more parents than ever who are uh, struggling. Uh, you mentioned the last year. It's just oh my. it's brought to light a lot of things. I think a, a lot of us kind of maybe saw it coming last mm -hmm. summer we, we talked about well you know there's a lot more to to school than just than just you know being able to take class over a computer what have you heard from your parents what do you think we've we've learned what uh <laughs> what do we need to to get over and figure out and and really start to to focus on in, in terms of moving forward oh lord well um you know the the one of the main things is that our, our ordered lives have been disrupted. Mm -hmm. Whatever we thought was normal, or the things that we thought that we could count on all the time. Who thought that schools would close? Right. Nobody. When you're going along in your planning and you've got a young family and all that kind of thing, there is nowhere in your plan that schools will close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, just, you won't have a place to send your kids. Now, we can say all we want that parents are the first teacher, right. but as long as we have a community dotted with these bastions of learning, mm -hmm. right? We, we, you know, we can say that as a as a sentiment, but we know that we're going to send our kids there to those places during these hours every five days a week, and we're and our kids are going to participate in the learning process, a formalized learning process, mm -hmm. run by professionals. M March last year. That changed. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, those children are home. Mm -hmm. So all the things that went along with that, because if you're the CEO of your company, you take a you take a, an assessment of your assets and liabilities, and you say, "This is what I have to work with, and this is what I, this is this is what I have to accomplish." Mm -hmm. So, one of the things for families everywhere is that my kids will be in school for these hours which allowing me to do this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. Now that's gone. Now I'm home with the kids 
and the learning process needs to continue. The uncertainty of that, we cannot overstate. Right. Well, that combine that with there's no training for this. Mm-hmm. The, here it is. Boom. Mm-hmm. Do it. All of a sudden, kids who were home were going eight hours a day are home those eight hours. All the things that you were doing or thought you wanted to do are not. Now you're having to do it in that environment. Mm-hmm. The uncertainty of that, I don't know if we can, if we can overstate it. I think um, that we'll we'll we still have to, we'll still have to reckon with that. Oh yes, over for some time to come. Yeah. So the uncertainty with that, all of a sudden now, are, 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 uh, uh, not only are you the first teacher from from birth, you're the current at least co-teacher, co-teacher, right, <laughs> of of the child, right. um, and the stress associated with that, the loss of uh, once again we place we place oftentimes our hope on these. Things we think are immovable mm-hmm. and can't vanish. Can't vanish, right? Well, see, we—that's not true. It can vanish, and and now, so if our hope was dependent on that, mm-hmm. now that's gone. Mm-hmm. So, in the last year, you know, our parents have come to us in sometimes their most vulnerable moments. Oh, I can imagine. Um, really, it's completely exas- uh, exasperated, mm-hmm. and and exhausted, mm-hmm. and emotionally drained. Mm-hmm and overwhelmed, you know, with a plethora of problems that we didn't have answers for. And what we could offer them is the learning, is listening to them and offering that, those particular learnings, but we could also offer them community, Mm -hmm. network, Mm -hmm. uh, and somebody who's uh, sympathetic towards them. And let me add this. The COVID environment, the pandemic, as bad as it was, um, was not the only epidemic. Right. You know, the social unrest associated with last year, while people are home in their house, glued to their television, Mm -hmm. um, was alarming. Mm -hmm. It was alarming on, I mean, I don't even think alarming adequately says it. It was torturous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Along with the the, the the political campaign. Yeah, I know they had a presidential race, yeah. And I mean, this couldn't have happened. I mean, this was like a convergence, mm-hmm. a convergence of storms, and everybody is stuck looking at that and trying to get their children educated in a way that none of us have ever done before. Yeah. I think the I am so proud that our parents have hung in there like they have, and what we've been able to offer now. Is our is, is is somewhat of a of a buoy right. out there in a storm right. uh, where our parents can come and they've come uh, uh, quite often because these have been tumultuous times on multiple levels yeah. and so we we have spent a lot of time not just talking about how to deal with COVID but how to deal with mental issues yeah. how to deal with emotional issues uh, where to find resources. And, and 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 how to remember to laugh? Mm. Uh, how to remember to dance? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know how to have a good time given the environment. And see, see, we can do that because we're nimble and flexible, and because we don't have constraints yeah. that um, that other entities have, have to work within. Right. Um, we're a community of parents, mm. and uh, and and that has proven to be very advantageous to us this time. 
Yeah, because in the early days of this, the the unemployment and it just parents were I, I taught to people over at Second Harvest. Yes, and they're like you know just people that used to be in here handing food out are now in line. Yes, and it's, it was just it's been an impossibly difficult time. Oh my! And, oh my! Um, you know, I mean, suicide, I, substance abuse, yes. domestic abuse, domestic abuse. Yes, it's, yes, 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 and violence. Right, uh, abuse that is that is manifesting itself more and more as violence. And what we can do, the medicine we can bring to it is community. Mm-hmm. We can, we can, you know, when our sessions are there, you can log on. Uh, mm-hmm. What uh, if you can get to our website? If you can call us, there's somebody to talk to, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we can offer. This we're in, we're in triage. Mm-hmm right now mm-hmm. and and um we're, we're trying to keep the bleeding minimized right but the damage there there's there's wounds out there and i've had parents you know who have shared with me you know two or three o'clock in the morning you got four kids you got this plethora of problems mm-hmm. it's you don't want to get out of the fetal position mm-hmm. you don't want the sunlight to come up you 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 just you know you don't want to face the next day um but see, we hear that, and we bring people in our community, um, the professionals, to come in and talk about what's available. And uh, so we we tell we we point people to those resources, but also we give them pointers about how to not just know what a resource is, but how to navigate mm-hmm. using the resource, mm-hmm. and how to think of yourself as once again you're the boss. You're the CEO of your company, and your job is to find resources. It's not a matter of feeling, oh, I'm having, I'm exposing that I feel weak or I feel ashamed or I, or I don't have something. Is that you're in charge? Mm-hmm. You're in charge. You're the captain of your ship. You have to make sure you have the resources to, so that your mission can be completed. And that resource is honorable. I mean, that that pursuit is honorable and noble, and you don't have to feel. As though you're you're you've given up or uh, admitting some kind of weakness, but no, you're pursuing you're pursuing what a captain, what a CEO, what a boss should do, so that their company or ship mm-hmm. will thrive. You've had an insider's view on a lot of these things, and I'm going to hit stuff from you know the the importance of extracurricular activities, um, the the gaps that we have in terms of technology that allow to do virtual learning. What are some of the things that that you've kind of been able to observe from the outside and say that is something that really needs to be addressed in order to help parents and help students uh, excel? Well. Uh in, in our case, one, one of the, one of the things that that, that has that needs to be addressed and, pro- and hopefully will going forward is the uh, technology gap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real. It's real um, in in this age that people don't have data. You know, it's like having a, a car on yeah. sitting up on wheels. No, I mean, no, sitting up on cinder blocks. No gasoline. Yeah. You know, no gas. <laughs> you know, um, uh, people when people have to. You and I. Adam, when we have to make the decision that we need more data, we get more data. Mm-hmm. But in, in a lot of in a lot of families, first of all, they may not have the equipment, and even if they have the equipment, like a laptop or a tablet, they don't have, and, they, and they're using their phone, they have to decide mm-hmm. rather to use the phone for this reason or that. Mm-hmm. And when you add that decision in with all the other decisions that are made, I think that's a significant gap that has to be um, 
uh, it, it has to be addressed. And I, I, I really don't understand really why we just everybody doesn't have data at this point. We're right. in a this is a inter, this is a worldwide pandemic. Right. Everybody should have data right now. Right. Uh, and then we work things out. Yeah. Um, but the fact that some people have data, some people don't. Mm-hmm. Some people have the equipment, and some people don't. I think that that is a manifestation of the disparities. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most that's most current, critical, relevant mm-hmm. that you can point to easy. One of the manifestations of the uh, disparities that we have right. in our society that's affecting yeah. the families that need it the most. That's right. You said the right word there. In our society, it's not just a Savannah Chatham right, no. issue. Oh my! It's goodness. an issue. It's an issue everywhere. The school systems were kind of caught with their pants down a little bit in terms of of having the the laptops of the tablets and having the hotspots and having the data. And it, everybody has been scrambling. Absolutely. And I yeah. I think we're probably going to see. Uh, we now they have the machines for everybody. I think if we are in line for another one of these that they will have the data solution in place by then too i can i i don't think i could even name off off hand how many communities have called me from around the country and the world mm-hmm. by by the way we get international calls mm-hmm. uh, uh, um and talked about the same issues this is see these is one of these times in this tumultuous time that we're realizing these are worldwide issues mm-hmm. we, we happen to be here in savannah and that's that's wonderful but i get the same conversation one of the things that i have found sometimes heartwarming almost to the point of tear jerking is when someone calls me from another community and describes the exact dynamic mm-hmm. that someone in my community just described we're all going through this uh I have said to the people who are in iconic positions right now, uh, be it political, uh, be it administrative, I know they did not see this coming. No. <laughs> I don't think anybody did. I, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt on that. You got, yeah. you know, I, 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 they can believe it or not, but I say prayers for everybody who is in positions of authority, uh, positions of responsibility these days, these are the most unique times of our time. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the, every effort they make um, should be appreciated. Mm-hmm. But it's clear, it's clear that we can improve. Absolutely. It's clear that Continuous we improvement. You Continuous use the word improvement earlier. all the time. Yeah. But it's, it's, so my point for saying that is that this is not just a matter of what decisions leaders make. Mm-hmm. This has to be a community. It, That's you right. have, it all gets back to listening to what the community can craft to say and what part of that we can implement. Uh, I think that when we do that in a way that's not competitive, mm-hmm. that's not combative, mm-hmm. that's not conflictive, I think when we do that, I think we will get answers that people will support with a different kind of energy, not just support because, oh, it was decided, but we'll, we'll support it as their own. And I, I, uh, so hopefully this is one of the things that we learned coming out of this. Certainly is what, what we've learned and has buoyed Parent University through this time. Yeah. Yeah. I think parents have, uh, we talked about earlier, parents have a greater appreciation of, of education 
now and educating their children and you know we, we look for silver linings and everything and in, in this in COVID and the pandemic that's certainly that's certainly one of them um have you seen uh, or you mentioned triage or is it still triage or, or have you starting to see parents kind of um expand their thinking and their expertise and, and realize that yes they have teachers they're going into the school building yes i'm going to help them with their homework but but maybe I can do a little bit more over here or a little bit more over there. Are you seeing that? And what are some of the, re- the realizations? Well, yeah, you know, as, as we, as we uh, um, depart from a year ago and everyone's thinking, oh, my, I'm going to die any moment. Because, mm-hmm. uh, don't get me wrong. We have sacrificed mm-hmm. far, far, far too many souls. That's right. But as people start to think, well, maybe I won't die, mm-hmm. then they have, they're more elevated thinking mm-hmm. about now, how, how can I help? Mm-hmm. And I want to say before I say any, any more about that is that I think that there's been a, um, a a melding of identities because parents now are teachers, right? And of course, our teachers are parents. Yeah, you know. So, so I think these silos, this these these uh, distinctions that we've made are blurring, mm-hmm. and and rightly so because actually the reality of our time really gives we, we our structures may be slightly and I want to be careful have a lot of age on them mm-hmm. our, you know the way we the way we do things the way we've always done it is the way we've done it you know you know this is 20 this is the 21st century right well, we've got a lot of things that can change the basic way we think about things and are we and are we open to that but to your question um, having said that you know, parents are t- parents are now teachers, mm-hmm. and teachers are parents, and really always have been. Mm-hmm. And I think that both of our realities now will find it easier to share the same space. Yeah, uh, where before they they we gave a lot of energy in in showing the distinctions. Right. I, I think now we're going to be a lot more comfortable understanding. Um, you know, if you've been a parent home with your child trying to teach your child for a year, you're probably a lot less likely to be defensive about something right. a teacher says. Right. And if you're a, and if you're a teacher, you know a lot more. And trying to trying to educate your child at home, you know a lot more about your 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 uh, empathy right. with parents is liable to be at, at a higher uh, rate as well. Right. So I, I do see that happening. I, I do see some probably maybe some clouds on the horizon once again as people aren't as people aren't worried about imminent departure from this planet um, uh, dying mm-hmm. uh, I just use the word and we start to take us uh, assets um, our uh, our lives and we see what we missed and we start to feel those feelings associated with loss yeah um, that some energy will well up and it may not be positive all the time mm. um and so people are maybe we're going to maybe go through a period of of a little people wanting to finger point and wanting sure. to blame but i think our benefit will be to the point that now we now can find out what can we do together how do we move on from this point mm. and how do we treat our current reality justly Mm-hmm. Because how can you return to something that um, 
um, was a standard of judging people when over the last year, people's experience was clearly different. You know, there are some places that people have not been to school, right. literally, in their normal fashion for over a, over a year, year. and some places where they have. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if we're still using the same testing and standarding and all that kind of thing, what is that just? How do you, um, you know, uh, are, are we ready to have those conversations yeah. uh, in, a, in, a, in a civil way, yeah. uh, in a just way? So there are some things on the horizon and we're going to have to help each other yeah. um, because we can't get those times back. No. And we got some catching up to do, I we've think. Got some, we've got some catching up to do. So we actually, this is a, in my estimation, that very shortly it's going to be an all hands on deck for for the future um and we're going to uh those those elements that 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 seek to blame and seek to fault find and be negative uh we're going to have to find a way to to to, to work with those with, with those citizens because uh, it's going to take we're going to have to get in that full recovery mode mm -hmm. you know when you're laying there with your arm with your leg broken you're in you're in uh suspension is being held up you just want to get better mm -hmm. But then as soon as you get better, now you're thinking, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? And we're going to come to that point pretty soon as a society. Okay, we've been through this. Now, how do we move forward? Right. Right. Well, I'm thankful that you're going to be there to, to help some parents move forward. And thanks for, for everything Parent University does. Great conversation. And um, we'll look forward to, to circling back with you down the road. Well, well, we appreciate it, Parent University. Uh, I, I want to say it's it's we'll we'll be here. Um, we're we're uh, we're extremely thankful for the the support that we've been given, both mm -hmm. in Savannah and, and other locations. And uh, um, Adam, we owe it to the parents, mm -hmm. the parents who over twenty two years came to these sessions when people said they wouldn't, right, and now have set a foundation for us to. Uh, to export this uh, bastion of hope right. to other communities. Right. Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Difference Makers. Thank you to Parent University's Michael O'Neill for being our latest guest. And if you want to learn more about what he and his organization do, visit parentuniversitysav.org. So that's parentuniversitysav, parentuniversitysav.org. Thanks also to our presenting sponsor, the Savannah Economic Development Authority. Tap into the Difference Makers archives anytime on your favorite podcast app to hear interviews with more of Savannah's community leaders, such as Quessie DeGraft Hansen, the force behind Savannah's annual Weeping Time Remembrance, the Osabaugh Island Foundation's Elizabeth DuBose, and Georgia Southern Athletic Director Jared Benko. Difference Makers is a production of the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. On behalf of myself and producer Zach Dennis, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.